Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Well, welcome everybody. Happy Easter. Um, I've got a confession I need to make, and I'm going to make the confession in just a moment. But first, I want to acknowledge some different people in the room today. I'm not calling you out by name, but I'm going to call you out by category, okay? Here's what I want to suggest. I believe on a Sunday like Easter, where we see kind of a natural tendency for there to be a larger crowd in church, I believe there's probably about four categories of people gathered, not only in Flandreau, but again in uh, in Brookings, not yet Brookings, in Coleman, in Jamaica, in Peoria, online. Here's, Here's what I would suggest. If I had to kind of break you down into groups, I would say there are those among us today that would be qualified as true believers. Like you're here for the right reason, you're here to worship a risen Savior, you're here to lean in to the Word of God and and apply it to your life, and you'll probably be back next week and the week after, and, and it's the true church, like the true believers. I would say there's many in the sound of my voice this morning on an Easter Sunday. I'm going to give you the label, and you'll probably be offended by this label, but I'm going to call you like seasonal Christians or cultural Christians, and here's what I mean by that. Like, I'm so glad you're here, but the truth is, you, you know it, I know it, like we're not going to see you until Christmas again. Like, those are the two times you come to church and you give lip service to being a Christian, you call yourself a Christian, but the truth is there's not a lot of evidence in your life that would demonstrate that those claims are true. Like there's not much that sets you apart from someone who doesn't claim to be a follower of Christ. So kind of a seasonal cultural Christian, um, I would then say we're, there's non-believers gathered here. And I, I always hope there's non-believers when, when our church meets. And I would put those non-believers into two categories. I would say there's passive non-believers and that's the person that they're like, they're not mad about what's happening here. They're like, John, that's cool that you have your religion and your faith, and I'm glad that's working for you. I don't need it. My life's full and working fine for me, so I'm not mad, but try, you know, don't try to push it down my throat because I'm good, you're good, and we're fine. Like, it's just a passive non-belief in, in Christ and the things of the Lord. And then I would say there's what I would call hardened non-believers. And that's that person that's glaring at me right now, kind of got their arms crossed there, and they're like, you know what, Uh, John, I am not here for you. I'm certainly not here for your God. I'm here because Grandma said it was very important to her that I come, and so I'm here for Nana, not you. And don't even try to convince me to believe what you're talking about, because I have nothing to do with this Jesus, Bible, God stuff. Thank you very much. Um, Here's what I want to say to all of you, regardless of where you'd kind of fit into those categories, I want you to know I'm grateful that you're joining us for church today. Whether you're in Flandreau or whether you're watching online, I'm honestly glad you're here. And now here comes a confession from a pastor, and I'm just being as true as I can be on a Sunday morning like this. My confession is this, that normally when these days roll around on the calendar, you know, it's a big service. It's just a time where you can naturally expect a bigger crowd in church, Christmas, Easter, maybe Mother's Day. Like there's a few Sundays where as pastors we start feeling pressure to perform. And I want to tell you, like, this is not, I'm not joking. Like, here's my temptation is to put on a worship service that impresses the crap out of you. And you're like, whoa, this church is awesome. Because why? Here's what I want. I want you to come back next week. I love a big crowd in church. I do. 
And, and when I preach the Bible, like when I preach the gospel, I want to present Jesus to you in such a way that you're hearing all of the benefits of having Christ in your life. It's kind of like when you go to the, the, the car dealership and the car salesman is wanting to show you all of the cool features of the car, right? He's like, have you noticed the leather seats and the big screen TV in the back? And you're like, well, but what does it cost? He's like, well, did you notice it's got a microwave back here? Like, check this out. And, uh, and you're like, yeah, but what does it cost? And see, I, I'm tempted to present Jesus to you like that today, where you're, you go, wow, if I add Jesus as an accessory to my life, my life will be better, and, and it'll all be about me having a better life. So I'm tempted to like throw out all the stops and just make this a huge service. But here's the thing, as I grow to know Jesus more, and as I understand his word more, here's what I find, it's this crazy thing, as I read the Gospels, when Jesus had large crowds gathered, it was in those moments that he didn't put on a dog and pony show in hopes of getting more people to come back. It was in those moments he said things that were either confusing or offensive, and the crowds would walk away. And I've come to realize, like, Jesus isn't necessarily concerned with whether or not everybody that's here today comes back next week. I'm going to share a quick example from Scripture, what I'm talking about. This isn't what I'm preaching about today, but in Luke, it's, it's Luke chapter 8, there's a time where the Bible says a bunch of crowds gathered to hear Jesus speak. And then he goes into this parable. Now, I always thought a parable was a, an earthly story that was designed to you know, illustrate a spiritual, deeper meaning. And some parables are that way, but we're going to find out this parable was actually taught in a way to kind of shield it from people who didn't want to receive it anyway. So, there's this huge crowd gathered, and Jesus, imagine, he kind of gets up on the stage, he takes the microphone, and he's like, hey, I got a story for you. Once upon a time, there was a farmer who went out to sow seed, and he threw seed, and it, it fell on different types of soil. Some of the seed fell on hard, the, the hard path, and the birds of the air came and, you know, ate it before it ever had chance to take root in that hardened soil. Some of it fell on rocky ground and it sprang up quickly, uh, but it quickly died out because there was no depth, like it was shallow, there was no moisture in the soil, and it died quickly. Some of the seed fell on thorny soil and, and it started to sprout, but the thorns choked it out. And then some of the seed fell on good fertile soil and it, it took root and it grew and it produced a harvest a hundredfold. And then he says this crazy thing. He's like, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear drops the mic, and he walks away. What? It's like, imagine on Easter Sunday, I have a guest speaker, I'm like, hey, y'all, I got Jesus Christ. You might have heard about him. Like, he's been doing some pretty supernatural things. He is our guest speaker on Easter. I knew there was a big crowd that was going to be in church. Here's Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. And Jesus comes on stage, he's like, hey, there was a farmer, put out some seeds, some of it went on bad soil, some good soil, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And he drops the mic, and he walks away. I would be doing damage control this morning. I'd be coming behind Jesus and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Guys, what he meant to say was, and I'd be like, Jesus, they, look at all these people. They weren't here last week, but they're here this week. Why, why aren't you impressing them, Jesus? Like, do something supernatural. And, and so if you keep reading in Luke, like the disciples pursued Jesus, and they were kind of like, Jesus, what's, what's the story we don't understand? And I'll just read briefly. This isn't even, I'm not even preaching yet. You're like, oh boy, we're in for it today. He's not even preaching yet. Here's, here's what Jesus said when his disciples kind of pursued him because they wanted to know the truth. What does that story even mean? And listen to what Jesus says. Luke 8, verse 9, he said, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge 
of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables. Watch this. So that, and now he's going to quote an Old Testament prophet by the name of Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 9, he says, So that though seeing they may not see, and though hearing they may not understand. So then he goes on to tell his disciples what the story meant. And basically, here's the thing. He says to his disciples, the seed in that story represents the word of God. And the message is this. The word of God's going to go out today, and some of the word of God is going to fall on hardened hearts. That's those hardened believers I was talking about a minute ago. It doesn't matter what I say or what I do. You're not going to believe. You've already made up your mind. You're not going to believe. And then he said, the rocky soil, and, and here again, cultural Christians, the Christmas and Easter only crowd, I love that you come on Christmas and Easter, but you would be the rocky soil. Your faith, Jesus would say, is a shallow faith. You're going to get excited about the things of God momentarily, and by this time next week, you will have long since forgotten about your zeal for the Lord that happened today, because there's just no depth there. It's the rocky soil, and the seed's going to fall on that shallow soil that just doesn't grow much the thorny soil represents that passive non-believer group it's it's the the people that would say my life is so full either of good things material things all my wealth my abundance my possessions or it could be the person whose life is full of worry and anxiety and fear and all this struggle but either way you're saying i don't have room for god in my life i'm good either way like it's just a passive non-belief and there's nothing that's going to grow there and then Jesus said, there's people who will have fertile soil in their heart. And when the word of God falls on their heart, that's the group that's going to lean in and listen and pursue truth. They're going to want to know the truth. They're going to do exactly what the disciples did. They're going to pursue Jesus and go, what does it mean? What are, you what are you trying to say? And they will hear the word of God and they will understand the word of God and they will obey and follow the word of God and apply it to their life and their life will change. And it's through that group of people that the harvest comes. Where there's fertile soil in the heart. So here's the thing. As I approach Easter service today, like this changed what I was going to preach about. I was going to come with a traditional message about hope and everything that you have to gain in Christ. And by the way, I will say, I believe that to follow Christ and to know him, you will have hope and meaning and purpose and all this amazing stuff. But you guys should have seen it. We had this planning meeting today. Like we were going to do this awesome service. This, the band was going to come up out of the stage on this rising platform. And we had pyrotechnics and confetti cannons that were going to go off. And this zip line was set up. And I was going to come zooming in on a zip line in this smoke. It was going to be so cool. And you were going to be like, whoa, I want to come back to that church next Sunday. And we scrapped all of that. So um, we're just going to preach the Bible today. And I'm not even going to preach a traditional Easter message. I, here's, here's where I'm at. We've been preaching through the book of John for like the last quite a few weeks now. And as I looked at the next passage of scripture that was kind of on deck to teach through, like it's not really an Easter passage. But Jesus is absolutely dealing with the issue of belief versus unbelief. And I just kind of sense the spirit of God saying, John, just cast the seed. It's going to fall where it's going to fall and I'll do with it what I'll do with it. So just preach. Let Jesus speak this morning. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to read a little bit from John and hear some things that John has to say. And then he's going to quote Jesus. And we're going to hear some things that Jesus has to say. And there's about three-fourths of the room that's not going to do anything with it. 
and there's another group that's going to lean in and listen and apply it to their life. And so before I open the word of God to John chapter 12, I'm just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do this morning. Join me in prayer if you would. Father, I, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for the opportunity that I have to get to preach your word right now to people that you desperately love. And I don't know why they're all here this morning, Lord. I know it's a holiday. I know it's the cultural thing to do. I know there's a family tradition built around this kind of a thing. And for whatever reason, there's, there's a lot more people in church today. And Lord, I want to impress them. I want them to come back next week. More importantly, I want them to see you and believe in you. And Jesus, I have zero control over their heart. I can't even see their heart. I don't know what's going on in their life. But in this moment, Holy Spirit, you see all things. Nothing is hidden from your sight this morning. And in this quiet, holy moment, I pray that you would just cultivate the hearts of your people. Lord, break up those hardened hearts. Break up that soil. God, for those shallow Christians that their, their hearts are so full of rocks, there's just no depth. God, I pray you'd help remove some rocks from their hearts so that they can have soil in which your word can grow in their life. God, I'm speaking to people today that are so abundantly wealthy in our culture and in our world. They don't need you, Jesus. They've got a full bank account and a full freezer and full gas tank, and life is good. They've got relationships, and they don't even see that they need you. I pray that you would remove all of the thorns that would just choke out the word of God and help them see how desperately they need you this morning. And then, God, for your true church, for those who truly know you, and came ready to hear your voice and lean in and listen, I pray you just speak. Whatever you want to say to our hearts in these next few moments, Jesus, do your thing. It's in your powerful name we pray these things. Amen. John chapter 12, verse 37. We're just kind of continuing on this, this journey through John that we've been in. Verse 37, John writes these words. He says, even, look at this, church, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. You're telling me there was people that saw Jesus raise dead people from, you know, back to life from the grave and saw him multiply food to thousands of people, walking on water, turning water into wine, healing disease and blindness and sickness. Like they saw that with their own eyes. They heard Jesus preach and teach with such authority. And in spite of all of that, there were people in Jesus's day that saw him with their eyes and still did not believe. I think that verse is just as applicable to this church today as it was 2,000 some years ago. You know, last week I made this statement um, as I was preaching, like, I, I really felt like God gave me this, this statement that the, the burden of proof is not upon God. The burden of belief is on you and me. What I'm contending is that God has done more than you or I deserve to show up in our lives and to show off and to show himself like he really does exist through his creation, through his son Jesus, through the, the resurrection of Christ, a historically documented event in human history where a man named Jesus was crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb, and three days later he came out of that tomb and he showed himself to thousands of eyewitnesses. Like, that's evidence. You have to deal with that evidence. And there's still people today that look at all that evidence and go, I just can't believe. It's not a head problem, friends. It's a heart problem. And there were people with heart problems here, too. 
They didn't believe. But the burden of proof is not on God. The burden of belief is on us. He's done enough to show himself to us. Verse 38, John writes, This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. He's quoting Isaiah too. Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord, Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe because as Isaiah says elsewhere, and now he's getting ready to quote the same exact passage in Isaiah that Jesus quoted in that parable I told you. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn. That means repent. And I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Friends, I, I just based on that word of John, like there are many, many, many people throughout human history. Sadly, there are many people probably this morning in the sound of my voice, you are going to miss out on the healing and the forgiveness that only Jesus Christ can offer you because of your unbelief. And he has the ability to step into your life and give you an abundant life of meaning and purpose and hope and to heal you of your greatest problem that you cannot fix, and that is a sinful heart that is hardwired to rebel against God's authority. And there's nothing you can do to, to fix it. He has the cure, and there are many, many, many people who are going to miss out on that because of their unbelief. Verse 42, John goes on to say, Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. Oh, this is getting better. Like some people believe in Jesus. Hold on, there's a but. I hate but sometimes. But because of the Pharisees, look at what it says next, they would not openly acknowledge their faith. Why? For fear they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. Do you understand what that's saying? That's John saying, even in spite of all that Jesus did, there were people who didn't believe. But some did believe, because, I mean, how can you be that close to the evidence and not believe? So there were some, even among the religious leaders, who actually believed in Jesus, that he was the Messiah sent by God. And yet, because of fear of man, they kind of held back. They were the incognito closet Christ follower. Why? Because John said they, they loved the praise of man more than the praise from God. They, they cared more about what someone on social media thought about them than what God in heaven thought of them. And again, I'm just here to say, I think that verse is just as relevant to our culture and our lives today as it is when John wrote it. Like, I believe I'm speaking to people here today that silently you would give lip service to Jesus. Lord, I believe in you, but don't make me tell anybody I work with. Like, Lord, I believe in you, but let's keep this between you and me, okay? Like, because if I go out and go all in, and actually declare my faith in a risen Savior. Some people are going to think I'm weird. They're going to laugh at me. They're going to put me in that category of weird, crazy Christians. So, Lord, let's just, let's just kind of you and I do our thing. Sad, but we do that. We, we fear the thoughts, the words of man more than we fear God himself. All right, well, let's, let's get to Jesus' words. This isn't going to be much longer, guys. I'm going to share these words of Jesus with you, and I'm going to summarize it, and I'm going to pray, and you can do with it what you want. Verse 44 says, Then Jesus cried out. Now, these are letters in red in the New Testament, meaning Jesus spoke this. Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. Notice his, his claim to be equal with God here. He goes on, he says, the one who looks at me is seeing 
the one who sent me. Are you catching what he's saying? To see me is to see the Father. That's clearly what Jesus is claiming. I have come into the world as a light. Question, church, do we, do we live in a world full of darkness? You don't even have to be a Christ follower to just turn on the news and go, wow, there's a lot of darkness in our world. Jesus says, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. There's hope for the darkness that surrounds us. It's Jesus. And then look what he says. This is why people love Jesus, right? He says, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. I like Jesus. He doesn't judge anybody. Jesus doesn't judge me. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. See, that's why I like Jesus. Like, all his followers are into this judging stuff, but Jesus didn't come to judge anybody. True. Watch what he says next. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. I'm going to say that one more time. Actually, Jesus is going to say that one more time. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. Hold on to that thought. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. He goes on to say, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Mic drop, and Jesus steps off the stage. Let me summarize a few things that Jesus said and what we heard him say. First of all, church, Jesus is very clearly in no uncertain terms claiming to be God. And we've seen that every step along the way as we go through the book of John. He claims to be deity. He claims to be God. And I would just contend that is a claim. We have to do something with that because either he was lying about it or he was just insane and just it's the ramblings of a madman or he was in fact God. And the fact that there's all this evidence that surrounds the life of Jesus, these supernatural signs and wonders, not the least of which is an empty tomb where they laid him after killing him on a cross. Like, that's evidence that demands a verdict. We need to do something with that. Like, who is this Jesus? He claims to be God. Furthermore, he claims to be the only way to be right with God through faith in him, accepting his sacrificial work on the cross. He's like, there's only one way out of the darkness and into the light. There's only one way to be transferred from the kingdom of death and darkness over the, to the kingdom of light and life, and that, that's through me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus made that so clear. It's not Jesus plus Allah. It's not Jesus, Jesus plus Buddha. It's not Jesus plus your new age uh, religion where you just take a little bit of this and that and you kind of make a, a fashion, a God of your own understanding. That's idolatry. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus your good works because you grew up in the church and have been a pretty moral person. He's not impressed by your morality or your church attendance or how much you give to the church. Like that, none of that impresses him. It's have you believed in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross? He claims to be the only way. Furthermore, we heard Jesus claim in that section of scripture that there is a judge. And there is a day of judgment coming where you and I will stand before the judge. 
And, and I, I told you to hold that thought where Jesus said that on that day, my words will stand in condemnation against those who reject me now. And, and here's what I think that means. I have kind of a wild imagination, so maybe it won't exactly play out like this. But I kind of imagine that someday in eternity, when you take your final breath in this life, and then now you're standing before God in the eternity for which you were created in the first place, and you stand before him as one who stiff-armed his one and only begotten son, that he will remind you of the words of the seeds that were scattered across your heart, the word of God that you heard. And I kind of imagine in my mind like Jesus might have this awesome, you know, flat screen TV. Actually, it's heaven, so it's probably going to be more like this really awesome 3D, like uh, hologram type thing where he will show you a, a video of this very moment and countless others in your life where he brought you face to face with the truth and the word of God was scattered. And that's what's happening in this moment right now. The word of God is being scattered and it's falling on ground. He would say, you had an opportunity, but your heart was hard. Your heart was so full of rocks and your faith this shallow. Your life was so full of junk, you didn't even have room for me. You didn't clear all that stuff out for what really mattered. There is a day of judgment coming. Jesus did not come for judgment. Last week on Palm Sunday, we looked at the fact that Jesus came in to Jerusalem riding a donkey. It was a sign of peace. I'm coming in peace. When Jesus returns, Revelation 19, he's coming on a white horse. It's a sign of war. It's not war against you and me. It's a war against the evil one. And Jesus makes it very clear right now, you have an invitation to accept me, to believe, to be a part of my family. There's nothing you can do to earn it. I paid the price in full. And I made it possible for you to be restored into a right relationship with the God who made you. But you have to believe. You have to accept it. So those are the words of Jesus, and I'm just going to let them fall wherever they need to fall and let God do with it what he wants. I'm going to challenge you to take an action step as a response to this word from God in three specific ways. Earlier in that little video, uh, you heard me kind of quote the vision of our church. You know, we, we, we want to impact our communities by helping people know Jesus and grow in faith and, and go serve others, to know, grow, go. And that's the invitation I'm going to give to you today. I'm going to ask you this question, and between you and God at this moment, like you can, there's no sense in being dishonest because it's just you and the Lord in this moment. Like, do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with the living God who is no longer in the tomb, but he's alive? He brought you to this place today. And you, I know you think you came because of grandma or because some church member relentlessly invited you and wouldn't stop, or it's the thing to do because it's Easter. But whatever brought you here, I'm here to suggest there's a much greater reason that you clicked on to uh, the, the rescuechurch.tv and you're watching from the comfort of your living room this morning. It's because there's a God in heaven who's throwing out the word of God, the seed of God, the lifeline of the gospel. And he's saying, I want, I want to know you in a relationship, but... You need to put your faith and trust in me and believe in me and call upon my name. And in just a moment, as I close our service in a word of prayer, I'm going to invite you from wherever you're joining us today that if you want a relationship with Jesus Christ, I can't promise that you're going to get leather seats and a big screen TV and a microwave in the back. I can't promise you everything's going to be better, but I can tell you, you need a Savior. And you have an opportunity to receive him today. And so from wherever you're joining us, I would just invite you to Call upon his name, Lord Jesus. I need you in my heart today. 
And I'll, I'll just double down on that. I'm going to throw out another little dare. I would challenge you to share that decision. If you make that prayer yours today, that today, Jesus, I'm asking you to be my Lord and Savior, I would invite you to share that decision with us. In all of our campuses, we've got these little connection cards in the seat in front of you. Um, I, it's so simple. You just fill it out. There's a little box you can check and say, today I invited Jesus into my life. And we'll follow up with you and just say, hey, how can we walk beside you in this new journey of being a child of God? You can fill that card out, and there's a little box as you're leaving the Flandreau Worship Center. Just put it right there. You can come hand it to me personally. I'll give you a high five if you're a hugger. I suppose I can give you a hug. Not a big hugger, but we can do that, right? Like, welcome to the family of God. Do you know Jesus? Can I ask the question, are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? I believe the word of God today is it's being spread out. I believe God's word to some of you today would say it's time to grow up. It's cool and all that you got the fish bumper sticker on your car and sometimes you put on the Christian radio station like that's neat and all and you share the memes on Facebook and um, but here's the thing you're not growing. Grow up. This past week in Hebrews as we're reading through the, the Bible together as a church one of the passages of scripture dealt with that like some of you all ought to be teachers by now you've been doing this long enough you ought to be eating the meat and potatoes of the faith but you're still back doing the little toddler puffs and milk like because you're not growing grow up I love you I, I love you but hey guess what we're having church again next Sunday and it's not about church attendance please don't miss this it's not about getting a check mark by your name and the gold star because you quote went to church it's about being connected and accountable to the family of God where you're serving plugging in and growing and being forced to deal with difficult people that's where you'll grow starting with the pastor right difficult people my staff can just tell you like yes and amen grow up and then finally rescue church to, the, to those of us that are leaning in and listening and applying God's word to our life, just reminder, I want to challenge us to go in response to this word. To go, because it is through us. It's through that fertile soil where the word of God takes root and it grows and it produces a harvest. And what that harvest looks like is so much more than just coming to church for one hour on Sunday. That harvest looks like going out into the world and serving our fellow man in the name of Jesus. So are you going? Let me challenge you with that today. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer, and then we got one quick video, and we'll be out of here. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. Your word has been presented, Lord. Your word has been scattered, and it's up to you, Holy Spirit, to do with it what you will. I pray if there's anyone in this house today or online that has never trusted you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, that today would be their day. Right now, in this moment, they would be reaching out to you and saying, Jesus, I need you. I thought I was just coming for an Easter service, but I, I realize you brought me here to save me today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just bear eternal fruit from the seeds that have been planted this morning. God, for those of us who need to grow, which really is, is all of us, I pray you just work in our hearts, whatever it is. You see everything, you know. You can speak to areas that I didn't even preach about today, Lord. Just help us to grow. To stop playing games. This is not just about doing church. It's about being the church, and, and it, it needs growth. And Lord, help us to be a church that is consistently outward focused to go. Yes, we gather on a Sunday morning, and we comfort and encourage and strengthen one another, but this is not the game, Lord. The game is out there. This is the huddle. This is where we come to lean on each other and catch our breath and get the strategy and the play, and now we're going out 
where the real game is going to be lived out tomorrow at work and in school and in our families. I pray you'd help us to go in the mighty name of Jesus and to serve others in your name. God, you get all the praise and the honor and the glory for what you are doing in our church and how you're going to use this message today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.